It's time for Wolo and Friends on Sports 56, presented by Genesis of Olive Branch. Here is your host, the voice of the Tigers, Dave Woloshin. Good Wednesday morning. Already three days into 2024, Grizz were winners last night. We'll kind of close the year with the bowl games, get the thoughts of the big cheese that had a honcho from the Autos and Liberty Bowl that'll come your way in a little bit. Steve Earhart will join us. 10-28, 10-30, somewhere in there. Our friend Stats Norsworthy, all things SEC. We'll talk about the Peach Bowl, the dominance there. SEC was pretty good against the Big Ten. Um, I just heard, I love this speculation. I take this deal right now. Memphis, the representative of the group of five in the playoff next year, is the 12 seed. Ole Miss as the five seed. That would be fun. Take it right now. Sign me up. No question about that. And then final segment, we're going to talk a little bit about the UFL, Memphis getting in, part of the reason why. Part of the reason why all these teams, I think, got into the UFL. We'll go over that breakdown. But um, Greg Gaston just told me that he played a – speech by Mike Norvell that he says is one of the best coaches speeches he has ever heard. So I've got to hear it. I, I, I did not. This is in explanation to what happened with Florida State in 63 to three. Now, Zach, how, how long is that seg- uh, is that speech? It's about two minutes. Two minutes. Fantastic. One of the reasons I want to play it is I always thought that Norvell, who was a great coach, don't get me wrong. Great coach. Probably should have been coach of the year for what he did. Um, Mike Norvell was one of the most boring coaches to talk with to interview. Off the record, he was interesting. I went on a couple golf trips with him to Old Waverly and Mossy Oak. Fun. And obviously smart. Can be charming. Put a microphone in front of him, boring as could be. Never wanted to say anything Mr. Cliche. So I look forward to hearing what he truly has to say, because apparently he was passionate and what he had to say was the truth. I just laugh when I hear people like the guy that follows me, when he says, oh, they only lost 12 starters. And there's eight others. They had 20 opted out. They only lost 12 starters. They would have gotten their butts kicked anyway. That is unbelievable that you could make that statement. The number two quarterback on the team opted out. He would have stayed for the playoffs. I'm not saying they would have won. And I'm not saying that the committee made a total blunder because the games were so good. But it doesn't, the team was 13 and 0 and had done all the work. And they would have had a representative team, and they would have been competitive. And I still think that game would have been Michigan, because I, I all I think this was all to accommodate the SEC. This is old argument stuff here, but I do. I, I think they ended up taking Alabama because they beat Georgia and they wanted an SEC rep, and they had to take Texas with them because... Texas had beaten Alabama. So that made a lot of sense to the committee. If Georgia had won, Georgia would have been the one seed. I think Florida State would have been the four seed. I really do. Because the SEC would have been represented and you would have had a 13-0 team. Don't forget, Texas lost to a mediocre Oklahoma team. So that's what I think would have happened. I think they did it for the way they did it. It turned out being competitive. But don't give me that Florida State losing 12 starters doesn't make a difference? Are you crazy? Anyway, that's my rant. Let me let me go over because uh, the Grizz win last night. Now, job back. They're five and three. They got Toronto, the old coach coming back tonight. That should be fun at FedEx Forum. And we'll be talking tomorrow at 1010 with our friend Pete Pranica uh, about the the Grizz and, and their, their favorites tonight. They... Uh, they pulled away in the fourth quarter. They're the better team. San Antonio is really struggling. It's fun to watch Weminyama and the dunk. He had a block of Ja at the rim, but then Ja got him in the fourth quarter as the Grizz started to pull away with a with a, a dunk over him that got the place going bonkers last night. 106-98. 
Um, that's the first home game under the Grizz this year where they held I mean, the first home game this year with the Grizz at home where they held a team under 100 points. That's hard to believe. It's only the third game all year that an opponent did not get over uh, 100 points against the Grizzlies. So they played really good defense. Ja, 26-10, and 10, uh, assists, 5 Rebounds the big dunk that got everybody going. Bain 24, Triple J 10 and 7, 4 blocks. But in the stretch when they started to pull away in the third quarter, he was instrumental in that stretch. Here, here's something worrisome. Rose, 8 minutes. Thigh injury out. You get a little older. Your game is predicated on speed and quickness even though he has adjusted it uh, from when he was first in the league. Makes me wonder. What is what is uh is Derek thirty three now? Is that what he is? Thirty two, thirty three. That was thirty five. Thirty five. He's that old? Well, I keep getting older too. I just don't believe it. Um. He was what? He was nineteen when he got to Memphis. Yeah, he's thirty five. He's thirty five. Man, time goes by, flies by. Um. <laughs> When you're not looking. <laughs> uh, 35, injuries start to mount up. It's hard to recover from them. I, I don't know what he is listed yet for tonight, if he's questionable or out or probable, whatever that designation may be. I got I to gotta wonder if they won't rest him again. But um, nice win for the Grizz. Five and three now with Ja back in. I think six and three is the pace you really have to have if you're going to make the playoffs. And so we'll see what happens tonight. They are, again, the favorite over the Raptors by a point and a half. Um, I, I, I think sometimes we get spoiled. You know, you'll watch these, these NBA guys come in here. Wembenyama is such a freak how can you be that tall and play like a guard? You know, I do. I love watching college basketball because it just seems to me there is less ISO one-on-one -on -one play. I like watching team play. I love screens. I love watching um, a little bit more ball movement. And, and look, the, the skill level, the athleticism of the NBA is beyond compare. It's 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 a beautiful thing to watch. Both sports are great. I I, I and when I say both sports, I mean the college game and the pro game. But when you see a guy this big, this young, with this much skill, it blows you away. You know, it's a little like when you watched LeBron come in and he was a man when he was eighteen years old. I mean, physically, so different in a different way. This is what Wembenyama is like. It was a lot of fun, I thought, to watch him last night. I'm sitting in the Family Leisure Studios. We've got a new sale. I told you it was going to happen. It's the floor model sale. All floor model patio sets are priced to move. They got to get them out of there because they got spring stuff coming. We're talking... Wicker sofa sets under two grand. Closeout patio cushions, you can get them for 25 bucks. Pool tables are under $1,500. Have you seen those works of art? They're amazing. Theater seating under two grand. Four person hot tubs, $5,000. Of course, you can really lounge in one of those if you want to by yourself. And there's these new uh, infrared, those laser. Beams, steam saunas are the traditional ones. Those are 25% off. Get ready for summer. Purchase your above-ground pool now. You're the first in line for installation. There is special financing available. That's our good friends at Family Leisure. The clearance floor model sale is on. You know our title sponsor. That's Genesis of Olive Branch, right at the corner of Highway 78. That's Lamar. And they've done all that work. It really moves now. And Craft Road, that's the first exit in Mississippi. Turn left. Go see Vinny. That's Vinny Gerard. He's over the Genesis cars at Genesis of Olive Branch. And they've got some specials going on right now that might interest you. A price that's very, very inviting on the GV70 and the GV80. Those are the two SUVs that you couldn't find a year or two ago. They were so sought after. They've got them now. And their special financing options if you ask Vinny at Genesis of Olive 
Olive Branch. Uh, let's head to East Memphis, where our friend Steve Earhart is standing by, the big cheese, the head honcho of the AutoZone Liberty Bowl. Tickets distributed, over 48,000. I thought a really good crowd on hand. I was worried when I first arrived at Simmons Bank Liberty Stadium, but I didn't have to. That was an outstanding crowd. I'd say somewhere around 38 to 40,000 actually in the stands, in the freezing cold, to see a really dynamite performance by the hometown team, Memphis. Would you deem, Mr. Earhart, this a successful AutoZone Liberty Bowl? Well, Dave, thank you, and absolutely yes. We have, if we look back on a great year, you know, with a great deal of gratitude and humbleness that starting out last spring when we had our kickoff uh, board party there in the spring and then going into the summer with the recognizing Jerry Lawler as our distinguished American and the great golf tournament there, raising a record number, giving $800,000 to St. Jude Children's Research Hospital, and then flowing into our <clears throat> our fall events with the high school all-star game, a great success there, televised live on, on Channel 5 and broadcast on your radio station there. And then uh, the parade, the gala, the rodeo, the barquets doing a great job, not only at the uh, at the gala the night before the game, but at halftime, and then capped off. And again, congratulations to the University of Memphis. It, it hit the University of Memphis at a wonderful time to kick them off for next year, uh, and a great victory against a Big 12 team. So all in all, it was a super successful year, and my thanks goes out to everybody who worked hard to put this all together. We have a great number of volunteers who who worked hard to host Iowa State, and the Iowa State people are just so kind and nice. I mean, that's what we heard from people here in in Memphis, that they had had an excellent time. Uh, They certainly didn't enjoy the game as much, but uh, the, the people here in Memphis, and thank you to everybody who reached out a helping hand to our visitors. I, I would have to say um, not only was the Iowa State folks here, but the Big 12 was also here looking on. Um, Memphis looked like the Power 5 team to me, and I'm not just saying that as a homer here. I'm, I'm, I mean, I watched the game. I could see the dominance. I could see the offensive line push. I could see them stopping that running game. It was really impressive. What, what was any message, I guess I should ask, that you might have gotten pertaining to Memphis from Big 12 folks? Well, and uh, their president, Wendy Winderstein, was here, she and her husband. We had them riding in one of those, uh, you know, carriages down uh, Beale Street in the parade. They were very impressed by that, and then they attended the gala at the Peabody. And, of course, the Peabody does such a great job of, you know, welcoming, uh, you know, visiting folks. And so uh, she had been here before, but she she mentioned uh, how impressed she was with, with the city, of course, I saw her about the middle part of the first quarter, and she was, uh, <laughs> I guess, visibly, uh, <laughs> I don't want to say distraught, but uh, I guess uh, there when it was a 19 to nothing because uh, they were a 10.5-point favorite. And, and, again, you hit it right on the head. I think this is maybe the finest hour for the University of Memphis to beat a Big 12 in a prominent bowl game you know, with a big national audience of millions of folks watching. And you said it right, uh, uh, kudos to, you know, Ryan Silverfield and his staff. They did a really good job of game planning. And, Dave, you've probably already gone into the, the details of, of the way they uh, approached the game and they attacked the game. And, uh, uh, you know, so it. and then Tim Weiser, an old friend, people in Memphis may remember him. He had been the athletic director at Colorado State when they played here in the Autos and Liberty Bowl. Then he had been the director at Kansas State played here and uh, he's the deputy commissioner kind of in charge of football for the big 12 and uh, you know he knows memphis well he had years ago he'd been the athletic director at boston b in fact he was the one that hired dave loose you know they're our old memphis friend there so he he was observing everything and uh, you know some of his predictions were that the conference alignment is still in flux and going to be some you know he's he was talking some about is there still going to be some kind of a combination between the uh the big 12 and the acc because you say you've got east coast teams playing in the big 12 with west virginia and, and ucf and you've got west coast teams stanford and cal playing in the acc so 
there's probably going to be some thoughtfulness going into what's going to happen, and and Memphis positioning themselves as a, a power player in both football and basketball is very important. So, yes, uh, I think that we put on a good show for the Big Twelve, and and they're certainly paying attention. And the Iowa State president, she's a very thoughtful person, and I think she was uh, taking in everything and uh, appreciating uh, everybody here in Memphis. You. Uh played college football, coached college football. You've been an assistant commissioner, a general manager, and now a bowl operator. You've seen I don't know how many games. Have you ever seen... <laughs> Too many, that's for sure. <laughs> I, I, I am just really curious because I'm, I'm asking everybody this. I'm not sure I have ever seen in my life zero rushing yards, let alone in the same game, zero turnovers, zero penalties. Have you ever seen that trifecta before in your life? No, David, and that's that's unbelievable. I mean, to think of that. In fact, I was watching all these other semifinal games and other bowl games, and hell, there were more penalties in the first quarter of these big time games and more turnovers than there were in the entire game there with the University of Memphis. And so, as I told the uh, Iowa State athletic director, he said they ran into the perfect storm there with. Uh, Great preparation by the University of Memphis, great game planning, great execution, and the discipline. Uh, that's unbelievable to not have one illegal motion, one offside. You know, that, and again, compliments to the University of Memphis. And Ryan, what a wonderful job of concentration and dedication, especially in a bowl scenario where sometimes, you know, people are a little bit more distracted. So, no, I have never seen that. And uh, I think you probably talked about how the. Uh, the defense kind of gave Iowa State looks that they weren't used to. What was it, a three-man front? Yeah, they, they the went to a three. Seen on the uh, film. Yeah, they went to a three-four-four instead of what what they had been running a lot of times was four-two-five. So it was definitely different looks. Pressures coming from different places, and Iowa State had not seen that. That was Jordan Hakins who came up with that brilliance. Yeah, and and for the you know your listeners who are real students of football, I mean to be perfect without any penalties whatsoever. Now, and Iowa State played a very clean game as yeah, well. They were yeah. only uh, three three penalties, I believe. But but uh, we used to, when you're talking about my old days of, at Colorado, we used to have a, drills called running perfect plays, you know, just with no defense. You know, just you got to come break the huddle, come up to the line of scrimmage, either change the play, and everybody's got to be perfect, you know, so that there's nothing. But I've never seen that happen in an entire game with not one individual, you know, with the number of people that could have been. You look at the pro game. I mean, watching some of these pro teams, there's <laughs> there's oftentimes a number of penalties and fumbles and, you know, lost balls and that kind of thing. But uh, the, the perfection of the team, I don't know that it'll ever happen again. But if it does, it probably won't be in <laughs> many lifetimes. Uh, because uh, And this shut him down with zero rushing, and that was a... Again, a great tribute to the team and the preparation. I so much admire that of how the University of Memphis and Iowa State did a good job performing too and and preparing and you know. But uh, they, of course, after that perfect storm first quarter, they came back and you know they they were ahead by what nine? They outscored Memphis in the three three second, third, and fourth quarter by nine or ten points. But uh, but Memphis did enough to you know maintain their lead and. Uh, had they had one turnover, one big play that could have changed it totally around, but they played a perfect game. All right. AutoZone Liberty Bowl's over. You've talked for years, uh, or a year anyway, that when this game is over, stadium expansion begins. They got the vote from the city council. I think I've done my last game in that radio booth because the, the, they're going to move the media to the other side, the other uh, – uh, the press box over there. It's not really a press box. Suites over there. They'll make, I hope, into, into a nice press box. Tell me where we are with that. When you think really this thing can begin? You know, David, I'm I'm a little bit at a loss. Back in the in the summertime, before this controversy with the Grizzlies, uh, ushering the city about they needed uh, more than half of the 350 million. But when it was uh, originally contemplated that uh, 350 was going to go, you know, basically 175 to FedEx Farm, 175 to the stadium. There was plans to be ready to start renovating this week, but somehow those have fallen by the wayside as they were working out this money. And thanks to Fred Smith and his family, you know, breaking the log jam and and adding the 50 million uh, from his family as a 
through the stadium uh, to make up for the only the the stadium only getting 120 million. And so, you know, when you do the numbers there, since the Grizzlies demanded two thirds of the of the 350 million initially, plus they want more on on different types of funding, but so the Smith family 50 added on to the 120 that got back to the 175, which was. Uh, uh, planning, and then the University of Memphis was uh, dedicated to raising another fifty million, so they could get going on these plans that were basically around that two hundred million dollar uh, budget. So I don't know exactly where where the time starts. The city now with the new administration, uh, you know, there's some switches there. We've been working hard the last few weeks to try and work out an extension of the AutoZone Liberty Bowl lease there at the stadium with the city. And, you know, there's there's a lot of legal work to be done by the, the city, the university, the Southern Heritage, and, and the AutoZone Liberty Bowl trying to work out all these details. And so I know we're supposed to go back to the city council next Tuesday. Uh, I think they have to, with their procedures, they have to approve the minutes of the meeting on December 19th. So uh, I'm not sure when they're actually going to start, but we certainly hope that it can get moving quickly so that... Uh, they can get the you know the work done. So the disruption for the 2024 year for the University of Memphis and for the AutoZone Liberty Bowl and the Southern Heritage is minimized, and especially next year, with I think the university is really set up to have a wonderful year. With Seth Hennigan coming back, one of the best quarterbacks in the country, people are now understanding that and recognizing him. He's certainly physically he's stronger and uh, mentally he's now really sharp, and so. The university has a great chance to be the uh, uh, initial participant in that uh, 12-team playoff next year. So hopefully the stadium be in a position to host some good Tiger games come fall. But to answer your question directly, I'm not sure when they're going to get yeah. get it started. And I think we got to get uh, we got to get in touch with, with this. the city was running the show before, and now with the, the university, you know, potentially stepping in and. Uh, taking over the control of the renovation we got to get it going here so it's certainly priority number one for for all of us here in memphis in the football scene the future i guess uh, up in the air on when this thing might begin and it may end up having to take place after a new city council meets and minutes are approved i think that's part of the procedures uh i i'll i'll have to double check on that final thing Future of the Bulls, especially a bowl that's played not in the early rounds, where other schools that are that, that are never in a playoff picture get rewarded, and and those seem to be doing okay for ESPN. Tell me what you think is going to happen once these playoffs start, because this could affect the AutoZone Liberty Bowl. Give me your view of the future of the Bulls once these playoffs begin. Well, two things I want to emphasize. One. There will be a 12-team playoff next year, but those same 12 teams, ranked 1 through 12 by the committee, are the same 12 that have been going to what we call the New Year's Six. So there will still be the same pool of eligible universities available to bowls like our AutoZone Liberty Bowl. So there won't be any dilution of the teams available. However, though, I think there will be a lot of uh, PR and a lot of you know media attention on the playoff, which means we're going to have to work uh, doubly hard to make sure that we have a great experience for the, the, the universities that play in the AutoZone Liberty Bowl. And secondly, I think there's got to be a few changes in the the technicalities of this uh, transfer portal. I think that needs to, the opening of the transfer portal needs to be moved after the bowl season. Right now, it's stupid to have have it right in the middle of the season. And I think uh, Lane Kiffin said it best. I've seen how, ma- how many uh, leagues or uh, sports situations have free agency right in the middle of their season. It's it's stupid. And, and he called it out for what it is. And then and then secondly, we have to you know get the early signing date uh, moved. And I think that most of the universities want to do that because this early signing date right in the middle of December, so it puts the coaches in the middle of a situation. They're recruiting. Yeah, they, have, they have to recruit and, while, while practice goes on, yeah. I Here's here's what I think. I mean, if you're going to really do that, and I'm all for it, there's a few things you can do. One is, is you're right about the transfer portal, but you've got to stop movement of coaches. So you should not be able to hire until after the bowl games because then 
you wouldn't get that movement and guys wanting to go in the portal to move with their coach. So you 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 need or move to another school because they don't like the new coach coming in or whatever it may be. So you got to stop both. I mean, if you're going to stop player movement, you need to stop coaching movement. That's one. Two, as long as you're playing, guys, you need to put clauses in the contract or bonuses some way that entices you to play in bowl games so you don't opt out. Great point, David. And I think as this whole NIL thing, it's been rolled out, you know, unbelievably shoddy. I mean, and that's that's you know. A shot at all of us in college football. I mean, uh, to let it have come this haphazardly, without a lot of thoughts. You know, these uh, anonymous uh, collectives—they started early, and this phoniness that well, they're not related to the schools. But like you said, I mean, coaches are trying to re-recruit their whole team, not to go into the portal there in December, and then they're bringing in freshmen, and so that that implies that. Uh, you know, well, maybe the uh, backup quarterback should be looking for another school, you know. And so you're right. We've got to change the dates, and we're we're never going to get back. Players are going to get paid. I mean, there's no question about that. I mean, and that's I'm not against that. And I think that, uh, you know, they've certainly earned that opportunity. But it has to be done in a thoughtful way. Now, some people have talked about how eventually over the next couple of years there's going to be these changes that you, you pointed out about timing and the scheduling. But also I think there'll be some move to be potentially employees just like, you know, professors. They're paid employees of the university for providing services. So oh, that way, players that way you could directly services. Right, and that way you could directly pay with resources that you get from either tickets or television money mainly uh, and, and those sorts of things. Steve, we are out of time. Right. Don't mean to cut you off. Yeah. It's been great to have you on all year. Yeah. You know you have a lifetime contract, so we'll do this again next season. <laughs> And thank you to you and to everybody in the in the entire Memphis community that's been so terrific and volunteers and people that have made the AutoZone Liberty Bowl a great success during the entire year. Thank you again. That's the big cheese. Head honcho of the AutoZone Liberty Bowl, Steve Errett. We thank him for all season long. Let me take a quick break. When we do come back uh, to Forest City, we go. Our friend Brett Norsworthy on all things SEC. He's next. Add a little fun to your lunch break. Join Johnny Radio for Sports 56 Happy Hour from 11 to 1 every weekday on Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. Now back to Wallow and Friends on Sports 56. Presented by Genesis of Olive Branch. Here once again is the voice of the Tigers, Dave Woloshin. Oh, I can't wait for that championship game on Monday. I'm going to have to head on over to the Spirit Shop. Or maybe I'll even go downtown to go check out Grind City Bruin because they really do take care of beerness in Memphis. I think Poppy's Pills, that Pilsner, the one that the doctor ordered, I think that might be what I have to have for that championship game coming up Monday night. Then I got my options, though. I could go Pale Ale. I could get the Godhopper. I could get the Amber Lager, the uh, Thaddeus. That, that's terrific. I, I do like Blue Moon, and they've got this wheat ale, this Belgian-style thing called the Belga, that is outstanding. You can't beat it. Taking care of beerness in Memphis for a while now. That wonderful brewery downtown with a great look of the skyline. That would be Grind City Bruin. Let's head to Forest City. I know you're still basking in the pleasure, the joy that you got from another big bull win for Lane Kiffin and the Rebels. Uh, This, to me, was set up to be great offense. Ole Miss against great defense. Penn State offense was dominant. Brett, good morning. Good morning, Dave. It was dominant in Penn State, the number one defense in the country, and it it just didn't look like they were – they were big, they were slow, and they were soft. And Ole Miss really could get whatever they wanted. Ended up scoring 38, left a little bit out there, but got 38 points. And Jackson Dart was great again, uh, throwing 40 times his season high in, in attempts, uh, completing 25 of them for almost 400 yards and three touchdowns. He even had a reception. He had some good runs and really had it all going and played most of the day without uh, uh, the other running back, Ulysses Bentley, got hurt early. Was in a boot later, so Quinshawn Judkins had to carry the carry the load rushing with the season high 34 attempts rushing, and he went over 100 yards and he caught a touchdown pass. Lane Kiffin, the I, I saw the announcer, and he's kind of the 
the nouveau thing to say, and I heard Mark Jones say it on the replay. He was in his bag, whatever the heck that means. <laughs> Lane Kiffin, he he had it all going. He did. Um, and 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 a coming out for the former Tiger, Prescorn, who uh, I, I I know he's coming back, but you know what? I I think he put himself on a draft board. He was so good. He was good all year. He just was injured all yeah. year. This was the most healthy Caden Prescorn was all year in ten catches and two. Almost identical, same spot of the field, one-hand catches. These gloves are really good they, they make now, but uh, you, you you still got to be able to haul it in, and, and, and he did, and he, he should have a big year next year, and Ole Miss is uh, way up there in, in, in the recruitment of a, a portal tight end from the FCS level. I think they're going to get Lane Kiffin. This, this was the first year that he really had the tight end position like he wanted, and then pre-scoring got hurt early, and you just couldn't count on Michael Trigg, and he, he's out of the program, and, and, and it, it's, it's, it means a lot to him with as much uh, play action as, as Ole Miss likes to run. They like to have that, that auxiliary, that go-to guy tight end. I'm so happy for Caden Prescorn because he's a good kid. He he's, is a and, great and he's, and he's got a young kid. And I'm going to tell you, you mentioned he's great got family. a hand. You put that glove on, it looks like a mitt. He does. I, I mean, it's a big hand, and he, he and they're soft. They're I think really I told good. you, I mentioned yesterday, fun fact about the Prescorns, he's got a little brothers, the number one, number two tight end in the country out of high school this year is going to Michigan next year. Their junior high basketball coach was Connor Stallions. Huh. Here's another fun fact about the Prescorn family. Their grandfather, I don't remember which side, he's one of the originators of the Buick Open in Michigan, the, the PGA Tour stuff. Sure, they, they sure are. And and that, that that's where they're they're all, all from. Yeah, I know. Isn't that great? I mean, yeah. and, 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 and he's got a younger brother that I believe is coming up, and I think he's on Ole Miss's draft uh, uh, recruiting no, board, isn't I, it? I mentioned he's number one or two tight end yeah, in the country. Two. He's going to Michigan. Oh, he's going to Michigan. Oh, I thought he was. Okay. All right. Yeah, I I, I, I knew about the uh, – Unless there's a late change. Yeah, and there could be. I mean, it all comes down to how much you want to spend on your budget, right? That's right. <laughs> your, of your NIL budget, and which I, is legal I, now. And, and I love that we're into this honesty era around college sports. It's, it's no more – well, I was going to go there, but I went to this other place because it just felt like family and the trees and the buildings and the people right. are so. No, I like the honesty. I like, no, I'm going here because they paid more. All right. Since we're speaking uh, uh, honesty here, future of bowl games, I, I saw a text that you sent. And um, your your sense of the bowl games, not the early ones. The ones that are around Christmas that are going to be taking place at about the time that the playoffs begin, what your sense of their future might be? Yeah, I'm going to use around December 27th, 28th is the date. Anything before that, like the, the, the New Orleans Bowl and the Boca Raton Bowl, the Birmingham Bowl, the Camellia Bowl, I think they all have a place. I think they have a place for Miami of Ohio and Appalachian State and Marshall and Troy and teams like that. To, to, to go to a good bowl and to be treated very well by those places. I've been to a lot of those bowls and a lot of those places and have had a wonderful time at all of them. The Independence Bowl in Shreveport. Which uh, is an that. old bowl, by the way. Which, which is a very be old bowl. 12, I would say, I think. But I, I think bowl games post-December uh, 28th, like Gator, Sun, Liberty, Music City, I think they're going to have a real tough time sorting it out in this this new bowl complexion because if you're not part of the playoff picture, for instance, let's say let's say next year Ole Miss goes to the college football playoff mm-hmm. and along the way play in not one but two bowls and have the fun you, you have with all that. Then the next year it dips down a little bit and you're just invited back to one of those bowls I just named. I don't want to pick on anybody, sure. but just one of those bowls I just named. How many people you think are going to be fired up about going to that? Not after going to a playoff. No, it just won't be right. And it, it, it's it. And Dave, you you've encountered that with the University of Memphis. After you get a taste of that treatment at the Cotton Bowl and how how those great people at the Goodyear Cotton Bowl treat you, 
and 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 then you, you don't want to slide back going to the famous toastery bowl. No. You don't want to slide back going to the Gasparilla bowl. You don't want to go to the other bowl game. You, you in don't Tampa. want to go to the first serve responder bowl again. You just don't in Dallas. And, you just don't to play uh, on the field that you were already playing once and, against SMU. And Kirk Harp Street on New Year's Day on game day called for he thought the elim- he should be the elimination of half the bowl season. And what I would like to say very respectfully ooh, to ooh, Kirk Harp Street, he better be careful that his money's uh, coming uh, from that. It, is Kirk? Don't be telling us. Walk down the hall and tell Bart Magnus that. Yeah, well, he he he's not going to tell them that because they make money on bulls. They need they sure do, and, and, and they and look and, at these and, ratings and look at the ratings they sell. And you made a point uh, in, in another text today, uh, which we're telling I all was, our private texts. Wow, this is out. this. I'm not telling everything. I mean, I'm just talking about stuff you can reveal because you're breaking it. The 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 college football bulls, minor bulls, beat. The numbers that the NBA got on Christmas Day. That just, beat them like that, a draw. That, that just goes to show you how, how college this? football sells. And that's why they're not going to cut these bowl games down. They're they sure not. need it's, inventory it's and it sells. And, and, and it, it's cheap to put on. The Duke's Mayo Bowl. I, I mean, for a dollar, somebody name, tell me who played in the Duke's Mayo Bowl. The Duke's Mayo Bowl drew 3.6 million viewers. Wow. The Lakers and Celtics. The Lakers and Boston Celtics. Is there anything more gold standard than that in the no, NBA world? There's not. Drew three point three million. Wow, that's incredible. The, the only Duke thing I remember Mayo about Bowl. the Duke Mayo thing is I would get really sick uh, oh, I because hate I hate mayonnaise, and no, if they poured mayonnaise. mayonnaise on me, I would literally vomit. I, I, I'm, I'm 100% on, on Christmas sure. Day, all the NBA games combined, you add up the total number of. Millions of viewers was about ten million. Georgia and Florida State in a sixty-three to three route drew ten million. That's incredible. Sixty-three to three, and they still had that many at the end of the with, game. With, with wow. one team playing a team that, that they Florida State wouldn't start those players in a spring game. I felt sorry for Mike no, Novell. I did. And we're going to hear from Mike Novell on that very subject in the next segment. You lose twelve starters. Starters twenty total. Of course, you're you're going to be affected. Of course, I mean, I, 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 I feel bad for them. I, I really do. I, I, and I didn't I feel see bad. the I feel, game. I feel bad I, for him. Yeah, I, I didn't see the game because I was doing a basketball game at that yeah. time. And I kept looking at that score, sixty-three to three. And my first take on that was Kirby Smart must not like Mike Norvell, but that's really not the case. It's not the case at all. They they couldn't help it. They only scored one touchdown in the fourth quarter. There was a time in that game where I thought. They're going to get ninety, <laughs> and there there is no running time rule in college football, unfortunately. No. Uh, all right, tell me about uh, SEC hoops a little bit, and how good is Ole Miss? Thirteen and zero. I saw him the one. I've seen him a couple times actually. Uh, I I love Chris Beard the way he coaches. I think there are some pieces. Thirteen and zero, but let's face it, Memphis is their best win. NC State probably their second best win. How good do you think they really are? I think they're pretty good, and it's going to start on the defensive end with him, and then if they can make shots, and Matthew Morrell sees an average of around 40% from three-point. That's pretty if good. That, if that holds up, it's it's around 40.9. If that holds up or even went up a tick or two, if he got it to 42, 43, and Jamin Brakefield could keep improving, and both of those players, it's finally time for both of them to be consistent, and they are. And it's a great matchup Saturday up at up at TBA at Knoxville against Rick Barnes. That's 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 two warhorse coaches right there with Beard versus Barnes. That that'll be a good uh, tone setter for the SEC. No doubt. Um, yeah, I, I, I you know Tennessee probably a little disappointing uh, in in terms of the preseason hype. They're you know, ranked fifth. I know. Um, yeah, it's 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 it, it, that 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 is true. Um, I look at that makeup though. I th- I think Chris Spears is going to give them a, a, a nice little run. I do too. But but we'll we'll see. South Carolina is a surprising twelve and one. Uh, Auburn and Mississippi State are eleven and two. Kentucky uh, is is ten and two or ten and three right in that ballpark. I, I think Arkansas is disappointing at nine and four. I think no Arkansas doubt. and A and M both have been disappointing. Eight and five and, for A and M, and and they both will have trouble. I think getting in the tournament. I look at those pieces on A and M. I they should be they should be better. They really should. Of all the, of all the teams, I think Memphis has faced so far. Um, I would have to say 
Clemson is the best team they faced. A and M probably second. Ole Miss third. I think Clemson in a big one tonight. Clemson in, against in, Miami. Yeah, no, that'll be that'll be a lot of fun. Uh, as always, I appreciate uh, thank, thank you, your, your work and Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you. We will talk to you next week. You got it. That is Brett Norsworthy. Listen to him every day, three to six, right here uh, with Sports Time. He and, of course, Bryant Dacus. This portion of the show brought to you by the Eflin Insurance Team. The way they do it is different. They collaborate. They get to know you, what's important to you, what your budget is. Then they will protect your home, your car, and make sure you've got the life insurance that you need for your family. If you've got a small to mid-sized business, same thing. They get to know your employees, your product, focus it down a little bit. How long will you be in this business? What are your goals? What is your budget? And then they find the commercial insurance that is perfect for you. All you got to do is make the call 901-386-4777. That spells out Gur, because they're big Tiger supporters. 901-386-GUR. Get protected the collaborative way. Get protected with the Eflin Insurance Team. Back in a minute, we're going to talk a little United Football League. That's the UFL, the merger with the XFL and the USFL. And we'll hear, I think we'll do this first, we'll hear from Mike Norvell on what happened in the 63-3 debacle. That's next on Wallow and Friends. Broadcasting from the Family Leisure Studio, we are Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. Now back to Wolo and Friends on Sports 56. Presented by Genesis of Olive Branch. Here once again is the voice of the Tigers, Dave Woloshin. You heard the announcer, Mango Vinny. At Genesis of Olive Branch, ask about the SUVs, the GV70, the GV80. You'll love everything about Genesis of Olive Branch. I'm doing the Tiger basketball game against Austin P, and I keep checking my phone. It's 14-0. Oh, okay. Off to a good start, Georgia. Really? Not surprising. 14-3? Okay. 28-3? What? Really? Then... At the half, it's forty-two to three. Are you kidding me? Then forty-nine and fifty-six to three after three quarters, uh, just unreal, just unreal. That's what happens with opt-outs, and when you're in a bowl instead of a playoff, we're going to see some more of this. I'm afraid with teams that are well, you get twelve in, so I hope we don't get opt-outs in the playoff. But afterwards, the reaction, and I have not heard this, but I've been told this is one of the best speeches by a college football coach. It comes from Mike Norvell. My experience with Mike is a great genius of a coach, a really good charismatic guy. When a mic's not in front of him, the most cliche, bland guy ever when a mic is in front of him and it's hot. But not this time. Here's Mike Norvell after 63-3 to with Georgia. Because in life, there's going to be a lot of things that you do not, you cannot explain, you cannot put your finger on. But ultimately, you're always going to have a choice. You're going to have a choice about what you want to do, how you want to do it, what you want it to look like. I've told you since the very first day that I came here, hard work does not guarantee success. It doesn't, and it never will. But it absolutely will put you in the best position to be able to achieve it. I think that's one thing that we've seen throughout the course of this season. we got some remarkable men that are sitting here in front of me. And the work you put in, the decision that you made, just to say yes. Because you know what? It's really easy when things don't go well, right, and you hurt, right, and you're angry, and you're sad. The easiest thing to do is to pull back and stop. That's what the world wants you to do. But there's only a select few people that are willing to freaking fight. And I am grateful for you. I'm grateful for what you've done. I'm grateful for who you are. You deserve better than that. So I apologize to you. If you guys are playing your last game, 
in a season that will be remembered forever. And I respect the hell out of who you are for being in here today, for stepping on that field and going and giving everything forever. You have my respect. Wow. That was heartfelt. And, and he's right. Hard work, incredibly hard work, even sometimes perseverance doesn't necessarily guarantee success. It puts you in the right position. That was, that was really well done. I, I respect Mike for that. And I would just tell you, you lose 12 starters and eight other that are supporting role players, and your heart's not necessarily totally into it because you thought you should have been in the playoff, 63-3 to can happen. 12 starters, though. Anybody that thinks that that doesn't really matter must be imbibing too much is all I can think. Um, we had hoped to get somebody from the UFL, the United Football League, on. You heard the announcement. I guess it was over the weekend, right, that the merger finally had taken place, that Memphis will have a team. It'll still be the showboats in what they call the USFL Conference. There's going to be eight teams. There's four teams in each conference. You have the original USFL teams from this new configuration, uh, Birmingham, Houston, Memphis, and Michigan in the XFL Conference, the better of the XFL, which lost $100 million because they had a different kind of a TV deal than the Fox-NBC deal with the USFL. That was the one league that did not lose money because they viewed it as programming and necessarily did not necessarily have to make money from tickets sold or sponsorships or things of that nature because, you know, there's there's a cost for production on anything, on any sitcom, on any anything that you do, and you're selling the, – the, the network is selling spots around all of that. So they did okay. The XFL did not because they – they had to sell their own stuff and, and, and pay rental to ESPN. I, I don't know what the new TV deals are going to be like. I know NBC is out. I know the ESPN family of stations and uh, Fox is still involved. I think Fox uh, is still running the thing, although the commissioner came from the XFL side uh, and uh, Moose Johnston, who had been the head of the USFL, he's going to be the ops guy for this new grouping. The XFL has Arlington, which is D, uh, uh, Texas, Dallas, D.C., San Antonio, and St. Louis. And I think St. Louis, of all the spring league places, St. Louis drew the best. So um, I think it's a 10-game regular season. They'll probably do it the same way they did the last time. Two teams from each of the conferences will make the playoffs. So you'll have semis in the final. Um, I think the way they ended up doing this, how did they pick who would survive and who would not? And uh, I, I think if you if you look back at it, it's who had the best stadium deals, right? I think for the XFL, it was pretty easy. St. Louis has a big dome, and they drew. They drew 30,000 people. So they were getting in, Right. And they got a good stadium deal. San Antonio's got another dome, good stadium. I don't know where they are in D.C. I'm imagining that uh, are they in? It used to be FedEx Field. There's so many big stadiums around there that could be used, um, but it's D.C. So I'm I'm guessing. Uh, does RFK still stand where the, where the Nationals used to play? I don't know. I'm not sure where that that is, but I'm guessing they got a good stadium deal because I think that's the key component to getting into this merged thing. Arlington and Dallas, um, I believe they were playing in the baseball stadium there, weren't they? Although with March 30th, they may not be. But again, you have so many stadiums that you can choose from, all the colleges in the area. I mean, that 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 is pretty easy and it says Arlington so I'm guessing I don't is it is it I don't think they're an AT&T they could be that would be maybe they gave him a good deal um obviously Birmingham 
in in where UAB plays. They built that stadium as you know that that's where the whole USFL was housed one year and two teams were housed there last year. Houston was joining Memphis. I don't know what their deal is, where they are in Houston, but they probably got a good deal. The I know that the Showboats got a sweetheart deal or did. Now they're going to have to negotiate with the University of Memphis, but I'm assuming they'll get the same sort of a deal. And then Michigan is in the dome. So they got a pretty good deal there. So I, I think a lot of this came down to stadium deals. And again, with TV, because that's the most important component here, with TV, you're looking at, again, a grouping of the ESPN families with Fox. So it's it, it's interesting. I don't know if Fox. I, I I'll be really curious to see the details that come out on this. How did Fox and ESPN decide to partner with this? Is the model the same that Fox and NBC had the year before? Because that's the only financial way you can really make this work. Yeah, and that was you know when when they announced it uh, the the UFL league. I was like, okay, like, cool. Like, because, you know, they both had like two separate. Sure. Well, TV I, deals. I'm certainly not sad about it. We got. I'm, no, you're going to get not. five home games in Memphis at, at however Simmons Bank Liberty Stadium looks at that point. But you, you will have football to cover uh, for 10 games because the, the other games, I guess, will be broadcast. You, you know, the only the only thing I would I would say is that they. I wish I wish they would have kept more of the teams from the XFL and the USFL. Instead of the eight? It, say just, again? Instead of just eight? Instead of just eight? Yeah. Because because then because they broke it up they broke they, they broke it up to divisions and I would I would have loved to seen uh XFL uh XFL conference and a USFL conference within the United Football League. Well, if you understand what I'm saying. yeah, I, I, you're you're saying bring all those teams over, but right. there, were, there were some now, that would have had two in the same. Houston uh, had 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 it in both. Some yeah. had, wasn't there one other team that had both leagues? I don't I don't know. Maybe there, that, there maybe is Houston a, there was, the there was another one. one. Um, was it like one of the Florida teams? Well, there is no Florida team in here. Think about that. So you've got. In the South, you got Birmingham, you got Houston, Memphis, and the, and then the odd pairing of of Michigan. I don't know why you wouldn't have put San Antonio in there if you were just doing geography. But San Antonio, um, the Brahmas, they must have been the league. They must have been in both leagues, San Antonio. Yeah. Because it was the gunslingers in the USFL. Yeah, so yeah, San Antonio yeah. and Houston had both teams. No, there's no New Orleans in here at all. But yeah, we got uh, their head coach, and, and we yeah, John DiFilippo is <laughs> is is now going to be the Memphis coach. Um, the the one other thing that I thought was weird, like there's no Pittsburgh, but guess what? They didn't really and New York, no Pittsburgh, no no New York, but guess what? They didn't they didn't really have a team in that city. They were in Canton, and it actually Canton supported it. I was surprised Canton didn't get a team. Yeah. Yeah, because they got they got the facilities to, to right. at least host a, a spring type of type of game situation. Yeah. Anyway, that's the UFL. I'm sure we'll have because we were originally slated to have somebody, but I don't think it's quite as organized as it should be yet. Uh, and but we're we're looking forward to it. That is March 30th. The UFL, the combination of the USFL and the XFL, will begin, and that'll do it for us. I'll come uh, your way tomorrow from. Tulsa. We'll have Pete Prenica and uh, Russell Copeland and Jarvis Greer on tomorrow. Looking forward to that. Johnny Radio is right around the corner. Keep it right here on Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. Have a great day, everyone.